All right, guys, welcome back to my midlife podcast. Houston here. Thanks for coming back for part of the U.S.-Cuba relations series. So if you haven't listened to the first three, go back and do so because they're very, very interesting. And it kind of sets up, um, obviously sets up what we're going to talk about going forward. So this episode or this uh, part four is going to be kind of all over the board. So in the previous episodes, I kind of focused on, you know, five years, 10 years max. This one's probably going to be somewhere more like 20 plus years. The reason for that is, you know, after the, we talked about the Cuban Missile Crisis, I believe, to finish off part three. Between there and mid-80s or 90s, it was relatively quiet compared to the previous 10 years. So this episode's going to kind of jump from mid-60s, and then we'll see how far we go. I still got a lot of ground to cover, but I want to finish this in five parts. So I don't know if I'm going to skip through these quicker than usual or if today is just going to be a little longer than usual. So we'll just see see how, how it goes, how it flows. All right, I'm going to start today with 1966. So there were some asylum laws either changed or enacted both by Cuba and the United States. So I believe early 1966 was when Castro says if Cubans want to leave the island and uh, immigrate to the United States or elsewhere, they'll, they're free to do so. So this was not necessarily the case before 1966. So again, he states, hey, if you guys want to leave, feel free. And so that spawned a reaction from the United States. Then President Lyndon B. Johnson, he announced that he's going to open the borders for all Cubans. Um, and he actually signed into law an immigration bill that basically gave them preference uh, if they had family ties to, to U.S. citizens or residents. So, you know, before the revolution of 59, you know, some Cubans had immigrated to the United States prior to that. So if one of your family members was one of those people, you had preference as, a, as an immigrant to the United States. So I believe that was called the Cuban Adjustment Act when President uh, Johnson kind of updated and changed the way we viewed Cuban immigrants at the time. So again, both countries kind of, I wouldn't say agreed, but maybe silently agreed that, hey, we should allow Cubans to immigrate to the United States. So that was 1966. I'm going to skip ahead now. Things get a little uh, strange, sticking kind of with the immigration theme. 1980, the Mariel Boatlift. So I know a lot of you have probably heard about this in the past. But basically Castro, notice still in power quite some time now, skipping ahead to 1980. He stated that if you wanted to leave Cuba, go ahead and do so. Okay, you didn't really need permission or to go through proper immigration channels. So he basically opened, I believe it's called uh, the Port of Mariel. Uh, he basically said, hey, board a ship and get out of here if you want. And I think the estimate is around 125,000 people, maybe even more, left Cuba for the United States. So at the time, you know, this could this could be considered a, a humanitarian or immigration crisis, right? But the U.S. says, all right, we'll, we'll welcome you. Uh, we'll bring you in. Most obviously landed in South Florida. Uh, in the Keys or in the Miami area. Again, U.S. welcomes people coming over on the Mariel boat lift. Some see this as good. Some see this as bad. Obviously, uh, we didn't want to leave people stranded on the waters or send them back to Cuba after they basically publicly admitted that they wanted to leave. But a lot of people thought, hey, Castro is, and I, I, I don't know if, don't quote me on this, but he might have even admitted to this. I don't know if it was a publicity stunt or what, but a lot of people think Castro kind of, handpicked some of the less than savory characters to have leave Cuba, criminals, 
uh, release people from jail cells, those kind of things. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if anybody does, but it's it's an interesting concept to think about. So again, about 125,000 people left on the Mariel boat lift. All right, and then things start getting heated again politically in 1982. Then uh, Ronald Reagan was the president, and he officially labels Cuba a state sponsor of terrorism. So he was censoring the the Castro government basically for providing support to militant communist groups in Africa and Latin America. So, you know, around that time, 1982, you know, communism, we're, we're when I say we're, I mean, the United States, we're afraid of it spreading, especially through Latin America, you know, our neighbors to the south, if you will. So, again, we label Cuba state sponsor of terrorism, and you guys know that that's a, a pretty big deal and is not uh, good for mending any kind of relationships. All right, something very interesting happened in 1985. A lot of people uh, don't really talk about this, but 1985, there was a U.S. radio service for Cubans, so it was called Radio Marti. And what they were doing is broadcasting news and entertainment uh, programming to Cuba from the United States. So they were down in South Florida, and they had powerful enough radio signals to reach the Cuban people. And they were trying to give them outside news and entertainments that they were unable to get uh, while in Cuba. So, you know, some people, including the Cuban government, thought, hey, the U.S. is using this as propaganda. So obviously Castro and the government condemned uh, Radio Marti, and they started jamming the station's broadcasts. So in reaction to this, Castro, you know, obviously not too happy about these radio signals. So he suspended the immigration agreement, and he, he halted visits by Cubans living in the United States. So at the time, uh, Cuban-Americans were able to go back and visit, but he, in reaction to Radio Marti, put an end to this. I know I said I'm going to skip around, and I'm going to do that uh, right now. No, no good transition here. But next, and this is a big, a big chunk, but I'll I'll run through it pretty quick. Again, this could be its own podcast episode for sure. So there was something called the the special period. So the Cold War ended. Uh, obviously, Soviet Union went away. The dissolution of the Soviet Union happened in the early 1990s. And as we talked about in previous episodes, at this point in history, they were Cuba's biggest international sponsor, basically their only one uh, to a point. So after the Soviet Union went away, obviously this marked years of coming economic difficulty for Cuba. This, this, the big thing was extreme reductions of food. They couldn't use state subsidized, subsidized prices anymore because they weren't getting those same amounts of food from the Soviet Union. So they were having to go elsewhere and experience kind of a, a huge uptick in food prices they had huge shortages of energy resources, so oil, gasoline, far less easy to come by without those huge shipments from the Soviet Union. And I thought this was this was interesting. Before this, Cuba had been re They were getting so much oil from the Soviet Union that they were re-exporting uh, the petroleum that they didn't consume, and they were selling it to other nations for profit. So they were not only getting reduced price petroleum, from the Soviet Union, they were able to make a little money for themselves uh, by selling the, the additional non-used petroleum. So obviously when this goes away, that's another revenue stream for the Cuban government that is no longer there. So I included the special period, even though this wasn't necessarily a U.S.-Cuba relations thing, but a lot of people think the U.S. might have missed a opportunity here to become closer, more friendly neighbors with Cuba. We could have stepped in potentially 
and help them out with their food shortages, their oil shortages, and those kind of things. You know, depending on who you ask, obviously, this is a heated subject in many circles. But I don't know. I'm just going to throw a kind of a question out there to the listeners. You know, could U.S. have stepped in and mended all fences and decided to embrace Cuba as a neighbor? And maybe that could have changed the course of the coming years. But, but that didn't happen. They did allow, the United States did make a law. They allowed some humanitarian aid as far as food and medicine by private groups. But it was nowhere near the support that the Cubans needed. You know, small private groups sending supplies over there didn't quite have the support as something like the United States government would have interest, you know, obviously. So there's some interesting side notes that I'm not going to go into. But how this impacted the health in the country going forward Maybe I'll include some some links on the website so you can go and read about this. Some people actually think it improved the health somehow over the long term. Anyways, I'm not going to get into it, but maybe I'll, I'll post a, a quick story about that. All right, a couple more topics real quick. 1994, what was called the wet foot, dry foot policy. This was another change in kind of Cuban immigration to the United States rules and laws. So basically what this was, so this was signed by Clinton, President Clinton, what it meant was Cubans that were intercepted by the U.S. at sea, so wet foot, they're they're sent home. Um, so if you if you're caught, you know, on a on a ship or a boat or whatever, if the U.S. authorities catch you, they're going to send you back to Cuba. However, those who actually make it to land in the United States are allowed to remain, and then they can pursue permanent residency after one year. So it's a very interesting concept, and you could see. How this could be dangerous, not only for uh, the Cubans going back to their home country, but people doing anything they can to try to step foot on American soil. All right, a couple more subjects real quick. A lot of people don't know about this one either, unless you're kind of keeping up with these, this relationship between the countries. February 1996, two Cessna 337s, pretty small private aircraft, obviously unarmed, flown, flown by a group called Brothers to the Rescue. They were shot down by a Cuban Air Force MiG-29, and it killed three Americans and one Cuban U.S. resident. So what Brothers to the Rescue is, basically a group formed by Cuban exiles, and they were widely known for opposition to the Cuban government and um, the the Castro regime and whatnot. So this group kind of decided to form a humanitarian organization, and their aim was to assist and rescue raft refugees. So those trying to immigrate from Cuba, uh, they were trying to help them, basically. And they were su- they were trying to, quote, support the efforts of the Cuban people to free themselves from dictatorship through the use of active nonviolence. So they were flying planes out there trying to help these raft refugees, and they were actually shot down, no kidding, by a, a Cuban military aircraft. Not This isn't a well-known event in, in kind of the history of the world you know, but it's a, it's a pretty big deal, obviously, uh, between the U.S. and Cuba. This led to a few weeks later, Clinton, President Clinton, signed something called the Cuban Liberty and Democratic Solidarity Act. I can't believe I pronounced that correctly without messing it up. Anyways, so it's better known as the Helms-Burton Act, and it tightened and codified the U.S. embargo. So more punishment for this this act of violence. We we tighten that embargo and made it even more difficult for for Cuba to get supplies. And it, what, it, what it was, it basically said that sanctions could only be lifted after Fidel and his brother Raul are no longer in office. So Cuba has moved towards free elections and a free press. 
That's that's another stipulation of the law, and it released political prisoners. So they wanted the Castro's gone. They wanted free elections, free press, and they have released political prisoners. And that was 1996. And if you understand current state that we'll get to, those things haven't necessarily happened. All right, guys, I'm at about 13, 14 minutes or something like that. So I think this is a good cutoff spot. I know I jumped around, but there are some very interesting topics. If you want, again, go look up the Brothers to the Rescue incident. Uh, go look go look up wet foot, dry foot policy and some of the immigration uh, uh, statuses and changes throughout those you know, 25, 30 years. And you could read for days on the special period and how it impacted not only Cuba, but the world with the Soviet Union going away. All right, so that was part four. Next time I'll pick up 1999 and we'll get into some uh, big political actions, some interesting baseball-related stuff, and we'll see if we can finish out and get up to current times. But until next time, thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with part five. <laughs>